Welcome and thanks for tuning in to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. When we read the Bible, we hear about a myriad of characters and we can learn lessons from each one, even the less desirable ones. Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun with the story of Zacchaeus. I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 19, about a man named Zacchaeus. And here's what it says. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. And a man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. I love this guy. (laughs) So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, Ah, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So, here's the setting. Jesus and... His disciples are on their way to Jerusalem, where in a week or so, Jesus would be unfairly tried and put to death. No one knew that except Jesus. They would have to go through Jericho, which was a very small town. It was known for its world-famous balsam groves. And these palm trees would send out their fragrant aroma for miles. Jericho, Jericho was known as the city of palms. It also had gardens of roses, It was truly a perfumed place. Since Jericho was so wealthy and on one of the main trade routes, there were taxes to be taken. And so a man named Zacchaeus was a tax collector strategically situated in a town where he could make a lot of money on taxes. And what he and other tax collectors would do was collect people's taxes for the Roman government and then add their tax on top of that. And he was Jewish, but he was ripping off his fellow Jewish people by demanding these exorbitant taxes. And so people hated him for working for the Romans. And he wasn't just a tax man. He was the chief tax collector. He created or heavily supported this system of getting more money out of his people. It was no wonder he was disliked, if not hated, for here was a man who was taking bread off people's tables. He was probably ostracized, which made him an outcast and lonely. And maybe he would be the type that if people saw him coming, they would take their children to the other side of the street. But on this day, there was a reason for rejoicing in the town. The word had gone out. Jesus was coming to Jericho. 
and the news had been broadcast that day on CNN, Christ News Network, or was it Fox News, standing for Faith on Christ, where X is an abbreviation for Christ, since it's the first letter in the Greek alphabet. Anyway, Zacchaeus heard the news, and he had... He just had to see this Jesus. The lonely may be depressed, but surely despise Zacchaeus had to find a way to see Jesus. He knew there would be a huge crowd. Jesus was famous. People thought of him as a miracle man. But Zacchaeus didn't want to go mingling in the crowd. People hated him. In a crowd, they might elbow him or spit on him or sit on him or punch him, kick him. So somehow he figured out The best place to see Jesus was not in the crowd, but above the crowd. He strategized and found the best sycamore tree in town next to the road where surely he would see Jesus. He climbed up, got into place. And you have to realize that for a man of his position to climb up a tree like a child was just not done. I mean, children do that, but not respectable adult men in robes. He was willing, though, to be a bit embarrassed because he so wanted to see Jesus. And maybe he got out his iPhone 14 to get ready to take pictures of the Lord. The iPhone 14 with its cool 2X optical zoom and digital zoom out to five times with a 26 millimeter 1.5 aperture, sensor shift optical image stabilization with seven element lenses and 100% focus pixels with its photonic engine in true tone flash, its portrait mode death control, and its ultra wide lens correction. You can tell I don't have an iPhone 14, so I'm deeply jealous of those who have it or the Samsung Galaxy Fold phones. Maybe Zacchaeus was thinking that he could take some cool pictures for his presentation at the next tax collector's meeting or the Jericho Rotary Club. But interestingly, how did Zacchaeus know the exact tree to climb from which he could have the best view of Jesus? I get it. When I was young, I loved watching the Hawaii Islanders, our own professional Pacific Coast League baseball team. Do you remember that? Um, I loved going up to players to ask for the autographs. You had to know where to position yourself near the locker rooms. And I, as I got older, it was fun going up to famous people and trying to get autographs or pictures. I remember as a teenager, I wanted to get a photograph and then maybe an autograph from Bob Dylan, who was performing at the Neil Blaisdell Center, which we used to call the Honolulu International Center. And I figured out exactly where to stand. And no one was there except my friend Carl and me. And we waited, and sure enough, Bob Dylan's limo pulled up, and Dylan walked to a backstage door, and I froze. And I never got his picture or autograph. But I seemed to have this uncanny sense of knowing where to stand to get autographs when the San Francisco 49ers, clearly the best team in the universe, came to town, and there were many tables out on the football field at UH where the players would sign anything in front of them, and I figured out exactly where to stand where I and my kids, Noel and Dylan, would know where to stand to be first in line of the hundreds of people there when the Dalai Lama came to the Hawaii Prince Hotel. I figured out what back side door he would come out after speaking, and I got to shake his hand and say, God bless you. 
I blessed the Dalai Lama. I stuck out my hand and he shook it. The hand was the softest hand I have ever felt, softer than Charmin's, softer than a ball of cotton, like on Leon's head. Felt like he'd never done a hard day's work in his life. But then he is the Dalai Lama and many people serve him. And so it was with Zacchaeus. He was in the exact tree where Jesus and his entourage would pass. And better yet, he could peer out from the leafy sycamore tree where he could see everyone, including Jesus, but no one would see him. Suddenly, he could hear the crowd stir. The special guests were coming. Jesus was coming. How exciting. And then, what was that? Maybe he peered out from the leaves of the sycamore tree, and now Jesus is coming closer and closer. His heart stops for Jesus, then stops right near him. And Jesus looks up into that sycamore tree and yells loudly, Zacchaeus, how did he know my name? Zacchaeus, how did he see me? Zacchaeus, come down right now. I must stay at your house tonight or today. Today, my house? He knows my name? Am I famous or am I infamous? Zacchaeus would have fainted except he was in a tree and that wouldn't be smart to faint, so he jumps down. And then it happens. Sometimes you hear the religious law people like the Pharisees and the Sadducees get angry at Jesus and mutter and grumble. But the passage says, everyone, everyone in town starts to grumble and mutter and complain and monkumonku to say, in essence, why Zacchaeus? He's a sinner. He's a ripoff. He cheats our people. He is dishonest. He's no good, no integrity. He's a sinner, and not just a sinner, but the chief sinner. But Jesus knew that. He knew his name, so he must have known who he was talking to. And Zacchaeus was just blown away by this invitation that the holiest man on earth was going to his house. And so now... Let us look at Zacchaeus' response. And how he responds will tell us a lot about faith for today. Four things to look for. Number one, urgency. Number two, universality. Number three, unusual radical friendship. And number four, unconditional love. The first thing we find is urgency. For Zacchaeus, checking out Jesus was an urgent matter. He had to leave his tax booth. He had to fight crowds whom he might have feared due to his impartiality, or unpopularity, rather. And he had to find a good lookout point. Choose a tree, climb it, even though it was childlike and embarrassing. So seeing Jesus was an urgent matter for him, top of his bucket list right then. And the fact that you're here at Ko'olau or online you made it a priority today to seek Jesus out. Maybe for some of you, there was an urgency that it has been such a tough week or a tough life that there's an urgency that I had to get to Jesus today. Some of you online are from other countries or other states. Some may be from Wisconsin or other places. And in his urgency, Zacchaeus prepared, climbing up a tree, and then was patient, waiting, 
waiting, waiting for a glimpse of Jesus. But then came the shock of all time. Jesus did arrive, but he then stopped right near his tree. He called out his name, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I'm going to eat at your house today. And he, at that moment, discovered the second thing, the universality of God's love. Jesus' love is for everyone, even the worst sinner in town, a person like Zacchaeus. And even though people might have jeered at that moment or even criticized the Lord, Zacchaeus grabbed hold, grabbed, grabbed at that invitation. Most people think this passage is only for non-believers, our friends who might be unchurched or, un, or non-Christian. But the surprise of this passage is that Zacchaeus might have already been faithful in the Jewish faith, and Jesus selected him. This story is for the unbeliever, but for the Christian too. The Christian who maybe right now may be feeling a bit lukewarm, neither hot nor cold in the faith. The Christian who might be going through the motions of knowing about Jesus, but not really following him, not really excited uh, about him, not willing to fully give their lives to him, to die for him. In fact, maybe they have forgotten the joy of the early days of following Jesus. Tim Keller helped me this when in his reflection of Zacchaeus and thoughts of the character um, Susan in C.S. Lewis's book series, The Chronicles of Narnia, book seven, which is called The Last Battle, which I happen to be presently reading again. In fact, there's a Kindle special sale of the whole set right now. They say it's a children's book series, but it's really for adults too. And in that story, the readers are shocked to read that Susan may not go to heaven. Not Susan. She's one of the four Pevensey children. If you don't know the Narnia Chronicles, uh, Susan and her brothers Peter and Edmund and sister Lucy had stumbled into Narnia through the back of a wardrobe and they find this wonderful kingdom, supernatural kingdom, where Aslan, the lion, lives. Aslan is the Christ figure in the book. And they all believed in Aslan. So how could Susan not go to heaven? I mean, people were mad when they read that. You know, she was with Aslan. She went to Narnia. She fought the white witch with bow and arrow like Legolas. Uh, she saw the miracles that Aslan performed. She saw his power how could she not go to heaven and lose out on salvation, at least temporarily? And it turns out that she no longer had a faith in Aslan, even after witnessing all that and being with Aslan. In the book, a girl named Jill says she's now interested in nothing nowadays except nylons and lipstick and invitations. She always was a jolly sight, too keen on being grown up. If you can believe it, back then, newspaper reporters uh, attacked uh, C.S. Lewis's writing, saying that just because Susan is growing up as an adolescent, then Lewis must be a misogynist and a Puritan because he's afraid Susan is getting too sexual to go to heaven. No, that's not what Lewis is saying. He wrote that Susan is no longer a friend of Narnia, and she laughs at her siblings. One reported her saying to them, quote, fancy you... Uh, she, quoted her saying to them, fancy you still play those stories in your head that we played as children. As her brother Peter says gravely about her sister, 
my sister Susan, is no longer a friend of Narnia. The author C.S. Lewis understands Susan's plight because he was like that for much of his life. The things of the world blinded him to the reality of Jesus. It's the same mistake many in our society uh, make. Uh, they don't believe in the supernatural anymore. Uh, they don't believe in heaven anymore, at least not as how the Christians believe. And they are not really working on earth to help people get to heaven. People can say Christianity is like a fairy tale. Children believe in fairy tales. Stop being like a child, adults will say. But children like fairy tales. I like fairy tales because they tell you that this physical world is not all there is in life. There is a supernatural world beyond this. And there are supernatural forces of good and evil here in this cosmic and earthly world. And you and I, like the Pevensey children, can fight in it and fight for good. We can be part of the adventure right now in this world. Or we can just be of this world and just be worldly. But people today can tell you this Jesus and the supernatural and Satan and angels is all hogwash, is fairy tale, is, mir is miracles, all, all fake. So stop believing in fairy tales that God can put his Holy Spirit in you and that you can do supernatural things today. At some point, at least our Western society says, stop being a child, grow up, see the world as it is. Get into your career of money or power or sex or status because that's where the real fun and stability and security are. Put your self-worth in more superficial things like appearance and status and popularity. And so we grow up to be like Susan and think Jesus, Narnia, the gospel are all kid stuff and not for real adults. Or we just use Jesus as a holy butler. But one adult 2,000 years ago acted like a child and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, to see if he was real, and to see that he might find a new life where he wouldn't be so lonely nor trapped in his dealings with his money and success and having few friends. The universality of Jesus' unconditional love for Zacchaeus meant that, yes, Zacchaeus, the chief sinner in town, could be loved and forgiven and accepted by Jesus so much that Jesus wanted to be a friend and eat at his house. And the reason the villagers of, of Jericho muttered and complained is that they felt Jesus should not have chosen him. Zacchaeus was a jerk. He sinned a lot. But by Jesus going to his house, Jesus was saying, I like jerks. I like sinners. And the universality of my love means I accept everyone but it only works if they accept my invitation to have a friendship with them. Don't be like a Susan Pevensey who rejects me. And so Zacchaeus accepted Jesus' invite and he entered into then the third phase, unusual, radical friendship. 
Something happened the moment Jesus called his name. Something happened when he took the rest and jumped from his tree to land near Jesus. Something happened when Jesus accepted him. And the epiphany happened so instantly, so supernaturally, so powerfully, that Zacchaeus was radically changed by this radical forgiveness and friendship. In response to Jesus, he became generous, which is hard for many people. In response to Jesus, he had a heart for the poor, which is hard for many people. In response to Jesus, he trusted him. In response to Jesus, he wanted to make restitution to those he defrauded, and there were a lot of people of whom he, he cheated. I believe the mark of a true Christian, not like Susan Pivensey in the Narnia story, but people who God has touched and who have acknowledged him, is that they become generous. They accept the forgiveness of God and move to a changed life. They have a heart for the underprivileged, for those who suffer, and they want to make restitution and reconcile with those with whom they've hurt and then become incredibly generous. Which leads to the fourth and final point, unconditional love. Zacchaeus experienced the wonderful, refreshing, unconditional love of God. We don't have any record of what Zacchaeus and Jesus spoke about during dinner time, but I have a hunch. Zacchaeus asked Jesus, why did you pick me, my house, to have dinner tonight? You could have chosen the mayor of Jericho or the head of the Chamber of Commerce or the head of the Rotary Club or a sports um, or entertainment uh, celebrity. Why me? I'm a nobody. Oh, no, wait, I am a somebody, somebody known for being a sinner, a cheater, a liar, a man of greed. Why me? But then I know he must have surely experienced Jesus' love that had no conditions. Jesus loves everyone. For he came and said, I came to seek and save the lost. Now, the word lost can seem derogatory, like you're lost. The word for lost doesn't mean you're so lost that you're a sinner doomed forever. No, the Greek word, um, the original language of the New Testament for lost, just means you're in the wrong place. Tim Keller says, a thing is lost when it has got out of its own place into the wrong place. And when we find such a thing, we return it to the place it ought to occupy. A person is lost when he or she has wandered away from God and is found when once again that person occupies the rightful place as an obedient child in the household, in the family of the Father. When we go too far into the world, we find ourselves in the wrong place. We go after golden calves, after false gods. We are into the stress of the ambition of success and our image or trying to solve everyone's problems and be the savior of the world. The fact is, we can't save our business, our families, 
are friends without God. We are in the wrong place if we try to find peace apart from God. We're not wise enough. We're not strong enough to save ourselves. We're not the savior. Recreation or eating or drinking or using drugs or watching pornography will not fill the void in our souls that can only be filled by our friendship with Jesus. Jesus is a great friend and our Lord that we can follow. He loves unconditionally. He is always there to strengthen, comfort, and encourage us. Jesus invited Zacchaeus to dinner, but he's inviting you to dinner also today. In the last book of the Bible called Revelation, in the third chapter, one of his last words to this earth, Jesus says, listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice, open the door, and I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. He's still handing out dinner invitations. You know, often we think this verse in the Bible is for those non-Christians out there who have locked doors to God. But you know what the context is, surprisingly? Jesus is saying this to church members. That's the context. He is saying this to the Susans of the world who might have once tasted the kingdom of God as Susan once tasted Narnia, but they are living as if they do not fully, radically believe. If their neighbors or colleagues at work found out they were Christians, would they be surprised because they're not living as if they're a friend of Jesus? Maybe they're, they're, they're not generous or not having a loving heart for the poor or they don't have a forgiving spirit who tries to make wrong things right or even to make restitution. So as we close, I'm wondering if there are a Zacchaeus or two who have spent long periods of hiding behind the leaves of the tree of, us, of our souls, hiding behind leaves of doubt, leaves of anxiety, leaves of sin, leaves of complacency of not wanting to live a radical life for Christ, but one that plays it safely and just wants Jesus to serve us. A life that would never jump out of a tree to follow Jesus. The fact is, just as with Zacchaeus, Jesus knows our name. And he's been calling it, waiting for us to respond, to jump, or run towards him to really have a relationship with him where you can eat with him. He wants a relationship with you, a friendship. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up now. And as we sing this song, you know, I, I could be wrong, um, but I think there are some Zacchaeuses here, and God is talking to you right now, and I'm going to ask you to respond, to, in a sense, take a risk, jump out, respond to what Jesus is saying to you in your heart right now. And I'm going to ask you during this song to walk forward and meet me and some of the prayer team and staff. And by doing so, you're making a commitment or a recommitment to Christ. You're jumping out of a tree. You want to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. You no longer want to be lost in the wrong place. You want to be in the right place, being close with Jesus.
So I'm going to ask the prayer team and the staff and elders to come up right now in the front of the stage to pray with you. I'm not going to ask the prayer team necessarily that they say anything, but just ask if it's okay to, if, to put a hand on your shoulder. And you can share a prayer request if you want, but we will quietly pray for you, for God's friendship and strength, encouragement and comfort, and to be in the presence of God, for God knows what you need. And those online, you can hit the prayer button if you want somebody to pray with you, or the commit to Jesus button as your way of saying, okay, Dan, I'm taking the stand. And here in Kotlau, as we sing this song, come forward to the front, for Jesus wants to be with you in a new way. The song is Be Thou My Vision, and it's a beautiful lyric to say, okay, I'm done doing visioning for my own life, I want yours. Be my vision. So come. Come forward, and we would love to pray with you, for the Lord knows your name. And I want to say that um, if you still want prayer, the prayer team will be through that glass door, and you could uh, still ask for prayer there. And uh, of course, please take advantage of the coffee, and also uh, in the espresso. Visitors is in the other wing and uh, free espresso for you all, uh, for the visitors. Uh, but why don't we, uh, I'm going to say the benediction, and then why don't we close with one more song, okay? All right, so receive this blessing, and then after the song, you're dismissed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his faith, face shine upon you, and his countenance be upon you. And may you know, deep in your heart, the wonderful love of God the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Once Zacchaeus encountered Jesus, his life changed. He was all in, and he turned from his deceitful ways, made amends, and became a follower of Christ. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Press sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Join First Pres for church. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine in Kaka'ako, or online through our websites. Now remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at First Pres. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Pres can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.